Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. Master of Ceremonies, Matt. I'm going to start calling myself the Hatster of Ceremonies. See how long <laughs> that lasts. Um, <laughs> I got this in Ireland and it hasn't left my head. Yes, <laughs> I my love hair, it. My hair has been getting way too long, so I need to like have a hat on so I look not homeless. Because <laughs> really, that's all I've been doing since I've been home is I've just been like sequestered away trying to plan out my summer and all of this shit since I got back and what we're going to do for this summer uh, yes. because you've been really busy and I have not. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was mostly like, all right, Dan, um, whenever you can get off of your weird show, let's record a <laughs> podcast. So, yeah, we are. Again, much like last summer, we are recording from a couple states away, so we are trying our hand at different ways of making this as seamless as possible in order to still get your favorite content coming out to you on a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are starting strong. We're starting with our first movie of Pride Month, which feels very fitting. You know, I'm so glad. (laughs) We are covering the 2020 movie, The New Mutants. I'm so glad you brought that up because I truly would not have thought about it until after we were done. But yeah, it's um, it's actually a very, very good like we've talked a little bit about like LGBTQ communities in horror previously and how it's usually hit or miss mm-hmm. this apropos of the horror, so, like the horror elements happening is like very compelling. <laughs> like I had yeah. a moment I'm like I ship this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think well, it's yeah. cute. <laughs> they're they're a really interesting couple in that they both have things that they need from each other. Like a right. relationship can can really be. It doesn't feel forced in that it's just fitting like a diversity quota. It's just real for these characters. Right. And when we first watched it, I remember thinking like, oh, this is an interesting direction. It just caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because I have really bad gaydar. But like (laughs) going into it this time, I like saw it come. So like I obviously knew. So all of the little like buildups to it felt a lot more natural and a lot more intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't so much like of a surprise. Like that was all me. That was just me not expecting it from an X-Men movie, horror movie or whatever the hell they were trying to make. Yeah. uh, For the years that it was in development. Do we even say we're talking about the new mutants? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So X-Men meets horror meets high school. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the new mutants, I love. I love this movie. I've loved it since they <laughs> announced it in 2018. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, it's like ancient history at this point like it feels like it now that fox is like almost no more now that disney owns them again i mean unfortunately to a lot of people um who may have heard of this movie or seen this movie uh or just peripherally aware of uh, like the x-men in the fox universe as opposed to like the marvel mcu this is an episode that's a little bit different from our whole like our normal our average, stuff. We're gonna, yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about superhero movies we're, we're covering a lot of ground with this one yeah so just bear with us um <laughs> but but i think it's it, it's it's good to put that up top because this is not any of those things. It was made on the auspice of not being 
a straight up X-Men movie, a straight up superhero movie. It was supposed to be a horror movie, or at least it was supposed to start this very different chapter in how to tell superhero stories. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and this was right around the same time when uh, Deadpool and Logan were the two big Fox movies that were kind of separating from your average superhero quota right. in terms of even even in the X-Men movies where we had two different trilogies that felt very... I mean, I love them, but they do kind of feel very like stick to the numbers kind of superhero movies at right. times. And I, a brief aside, the X-Men trilogy that was kind of, or not even the trilogy, like the X-Men franchise that was happening at that time, um, like the X-Men first class is the one with Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. That started out in God, what, 2012 that or something? Was, first yes, class. 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. <sighs> Good God. <laughs> um, but the way they started that franchise, that was like, yes, we're still making you know superhero movies, but it was the first time, at least in a while, that Fox, at the very least, had decided to really get to know their characters as people. Yes. Like, one of the best things that I will maintain about First Class is you cut out the entirety of that plot and you just focus on Magneto killing Nazis with his mind powers that's an awesome movie because you're learning about what it means to be the product of trauma and what someone going through trauma does to displace that. Mm -hmm. And they follow that through the next movies and days of future past. And then right when this movie started to get into development is when apocalypse came out and then they kind of shit the bed completely. Um, And that's not even just my personal opinion. Fox admits like we had no idea what the hell we were going to do after that. Um, And then, of course, Dark Phoenix was more or less the final nail in the coffin before they went ahead and kind of sold the rights to the X-Men to Disney um, for them to. I mean, at least at the time of this recording, we still don't really know what they're going to do with that. Yeah, Um, that's still (laughs) up in the air. Um, I doubt they're going to bring the new mutants back. (laughs) They're not going to bring them back, unfortunately. As sad as it is, I don't think so. Um, But yeah, so this was the first, uh, I think the first Fox movie that was released under Disney's ownership Mm -hmm. in 2020 because they finished up that deal right before the Panini hit. It was just Um, like... I guess we can get into it. The history of this movie, like, is bonkers. It's cursed. Like, this movie is cursed. Like, so, I'm, yeah. Yeah. So, there's a lot to the backstory of this movie. I'm just going to give you a little bit of the like highlights of the crazy story that is this movie. Oh, my God. Um, so, initially, this movie was brought up to Fox in 2009. Oh my um, god. In that a uh, producer of the series really wanted to make a film adaptation of these comics. Right. And then after in 2014, 5 years later, um the director Josh Boone had just finished working on The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> That's where which... we're coming from by the way. Fault in Our Stars director is like <laughs> I want to make a mutant horror movie. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, Fox, you want to do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, write us a script." And so he does. Mm-hmm. They write up a script in 2016, about a year later. Um, and so they were like, "We because w- Deadpool was just coming out. And they were like, we like that Deadpool's doing something different. But we want to do something that's also a little bit different from that. We're not looking to make another, like, fun, funny movie. Right. Um, 
and not just rated R for no reason. Well, I mean, Deadpool obviously was rated R for a reason, but they didn't necessarily want to just make a rated R movie just to get people to come. Like they wanted it to be different on its own merits, not just because it was a rated R superhero movie. Yes. Um, And so when they initially wrote the script, they were like, this is going to have a nice young adult vibe. So it's going to be these characters. You can see them growing up in this movie. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of like their fault in our stars type of story they were trying to write still. Mm -hmm. So that's before they went like full horror. Professor X was supposed to be in it. And Storm from uh, Apocalypse. Yeah. Them were supposed to be like, at least in the first draft, like they were pretty big parts of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then by the time 2017 rolled around, um, they were getting ready to start filming it. It was in pre-productions in April that year. um, And that's when things started to really change. Um, They had cut out professor X from the storyline. They cut out a couple other superheroes that were supposed to show up. Um, the director Josh Boone started including a little bit more horror elements because he was kind of trying to find a Stephen King aspect of it in order to like give a send up to all that, which he really enjoyed, um, which ended up kind of biting him in the ass, if you ask me. Um, but I'll get into that in a second. Um, very early on, I think the first two people who were set to star in this movie were um Anya Taylor-Joy and Maisie Williams were both very quickly attached to this right and this was before Anya Taylor-Joy was like a complete powerhouse like she's always been extremely talented but up until this point she'd really only done like split at I least say, that, like was, a lot of people would know her this from. was the year of like split and the Vovovich is when she got cast right after those two Right. So she was still big in horror, especially too. Um, and then when they started filming it, they went very practical with a lot of their effects as much as they could. Yes, yes, they did. Like they recreated one of my favorite shots that actually isn't in this movie um, is they recreated the like bursting through a wall that was in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie. There are um, so many goddamn like connections to nightmare on elm street this oh, movie this is straight movie up is dream X-Men, the dream warriors it's straight up dream warriors by the way but yeah like the poster of this movie for the longest time like i remember walking into work back when i worked in a theater yeah again back in 2018 yep. it was just the te- the big huge teaser poster for it was all of their faces pressed out and it just said the new mutants and i'm like motherfuck yes but yeah, they cut that. <laughs> they cut that scene from the movie. Um, and he, the director, also said that the f- like filming of this movie was very stressful for him because he felt it was he was being neutered into not being able to make what he wanted in terms of his like full on horror ideas for some of the times, um, which was always a little bit more challenging. And then we get to post-production. This is where shit gets real funky. My personal tagline for this movie is the new mutants. We don't need no more reshoots. <laughs> Cause I remember in their trailer, they used the, the wall, Pink Floyd's the wall a lot to great mm-hmm. effect. Those trailers are awesome. Those trailers by the are way. rad. They're scary. Them. They are engaging. And I remember everyone was like, wait, this is an X-Men thing. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, it's going to be a horror movie though. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he, they were able to create their first cut that was testing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fitting that like young adult themed movie that they originally agreed to make. However, quickly after that, a little movie uh, found some great success called um, 2017's It in that everyone was suddenly like, oh, a kid's coming of age movie can also be scary and make us a bunch of money. Mm. How about we do that with this movie? And so they started planning some reshoots in January of 2018, which was when we got our first delay, which means there are now two release dates for this movie. We'll end up releasing on release date number six. Um, And so it started its plan for reshoots um, and those reshoots didn't happen in (laughs) mid 2018 like it was supposed to. Um, in March of 2018, we had our second um, delay in release dates in order to move uh, to give them time for Dark Phoenix to come out. And which Deadpool also would come 2, to I believe, be. as well. Was Deadpool, Deadpool 2, 2 was the first release date shift oh, along right. with okay. the um, reshoots. Was that right when they had all of those rewrites as well? It's when they started to have them, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Because in classic fashion, like it's the studio sees something that makes a lot of money, and they're like, "Oh fuck, do that!" Like, hey, I know Josh Boone. I know that we told you not to do as much horror stuff, but like, we take it back. Do it. And at that point, it was like, "Fuck, do I do now?" Well, and this is what's really crazy. At the point of their second delay, um, the studio was like. These, resho- these reshoots we're going to need to make are way more than we thought. I think we have to reshoot half of this movie oh at least. Oh my god, it was a nightmare. Especially because around that time Apocalypse had come out. Mm-hmm. The end credit scene for Apocalypse had set up the SX Corporation. Logan was already going to be written on that. And which Was that 2019? 2017. 2017. So now they're pigeonholed into, okay, we have to further the like Fox X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. So then there's, that's when the rumors of John Hamm being Mr. Sinister was involved. That was when Rosario Dawson was originally slated to play Dr. Reyes. Yeah. Like all of this stuff was put out into the ether all at once. And it was just pure chaos. And I'm like, is this movie ever going to get made? Yeah. Well, yeah, because this it had been filmed now. Uh, John Hamm actually later came out to say that they did have talks to have him play Mr. Sinister in the movie in like a little cameo scene, but his scene yeah. was never filmed. Um, they planned on introduce the studio wanted um, Antonio Banderas to play uh, <laughs> Sunspot's father in the movie in a post credit scene that was never made. Um, because then Disney bought Fox. Uh, oh god well and he's still not even near the end yet this is what's crazy it's nuts because like originally because i i looked through this whole the whole wikipedia article and i'm like (laughs) listen i need to know this for my sake so that i know what happened to my precious precious new mutants but i don't know if the audience is gonna want to hear 15 minutes of how this movie almost didn't get made yeah i'm sorry audience but i have to, i have to get into this because it's just so mind-boggling to me when you had a good point that it's good to understand where it's coming from and what mm-hmm. it had to go through to get made before you see it which is where i was when i saw it because we talked right before we started recording that 
we went to go see this yeah august of 2020 so yep. covid ironically the only movie that you could see during covid <laughs> was the new mutants um and you know we were with people and they were like that kind of sucked and i'm like yeah but like you gotta know where it was coming from and like what had to happen to change all of this and i don't know it's it is important to know i think yeah mm-hmm. um so then we have disney buying fox which set a whole new bunch of problems on this movie where they were like all right we're gonna push back your movie again now that it can come out in our release schedule Mm. um you can do your reshoots later in 2019 because they're still figuring out what they want to reshoot and who they can get to reshoot because everyone's getting busy oh yeah and then in august disney was like "Mm, this movie isn't gonna do well at the box office as it is right now and so they're like, all right, so you got to do your reshoots soon so we can release this movie in April, which it had been two years since they actually filmed the movie. Uh, the director had gone on to a new project. Yeah, they were making the stand. They were making the stand because yeah. they were just like, all right, maybe this movie will never come out. <laughs> and so it was a year after he had kind of set New Mutants aside and went to work on the stand when Disney was like, hey, you need to finish this movie in like a couple months, please. We just need to release <laughs> it. And so it had been a year after they had last touched the movie when they had to come in and edit the rest of it, which they had to bring in a new editor because the regular editors were off editing the stand. Right. And so they couldn't do it. So they ended up being able to finish the movie Um Director Josh Boone said on March 7th of 2020 that the movie was complete and it had been finalized and then COVID happened and it got another delay. So it didn't (laughs) drop until August of that year, which yes, is the sixth release date that movie had. It's nuts. It's Um, so maddening. (laughs) And so, yeah, that is the crazy backstory to all of the multiple release dates and different iterations of the script and of the tone of the movie that this movie went through before it finally saw the light of day in that it was released in theaters when very few people were going to the theaters and then released on streaming services about two months later. And it was originally supposed to be like the initial inception of it way back when Boone pitched the idea was was, a trilogy yeah exactly so the movie already wasn't gonna have anything else so it was just gonna end with people being like wow they thought they were gonna get a sequel i'm like well yeah four years ago they did when they made them when they were writing it um like yeah all the characters they had to cut like they had the initial lineup of the new mutants more or less in the movie and they had to cut some of them because they were too expensive like they and just straight too up difficult to put on screen yeah right yeah like they cut the character of warlock completely just because they're like we can't we, we just simply cannot do this mm-hmm. and they were they were like I watched a, a feature with the director and he was talking about that the first thing he wanted to do from the get-go was do the demon bear storyline from the comics, mm-hmm. which is heavily featured in the movie. Yes. Um, and even that went through, okay, how much of this is going to be the focus? Like, is the demon bear going to be the prime antagonist? And then when Fox came in, they're like, okay, well, no, it's going to be the secondary thing. We're going to have the SX corporation. And then they had to like rejuggle everything again. Yeah. And it's so hard because 
when you have like I'll, i have a whole little section of the notes that's just x-men stuff yeah there's gonna be a nice little history of x-men segment with i have an extra ceremonies yeah i i love the x-men i i've loved the x-men since i was a kid i think the mutants are fascinating characters because it's not like you know people being bitten by radioactive spiders or having a super soldier serum they're just born with powers mm-hmm. and like the civil cultural and like all of these you know extra depth comes into who you are because you know like it definitely was an allegory for racism back in the 60s and 70s when the x-men came out but and they explore that very much like there's a lot of like staunch anti-mutants sentiment in the country especially among humans i mean the prime arm wrestle of the of the x-men as a whole comic series is Charles Xavier being like, despite the fact that humans hate mutants, we need to show them that we are, we can be better. And Magneto, if I may say so rightfully assumes that like, fuck these humans. (laughs) I can shoot lasers out of my eyes. Why would I listen to anyone that is lesser of a person? So there's like that disparity of if you were growing up as a mutant, especially the way that these kids do, where it's on the onset of puberty, your body's going through changes, and whoops, you can set shit on fire. So you have all of these extra things you need to go through. You're afraid. People are rightfully afraid of you, and you're just looking for somewhere safe, and you just have to roll the dice that you're going to end up with someone good like Xavier uh, and not with someone like Mr. Sinister or Magneto, who's just going to weaponize you and yeah. turn you into something that's exactly what people think you're going to be. Um, which is an interesting way that, like, despite that they cut out a lot of the X-Men stuff from this movie, they still find a way to focus on that from a different angle than the movies had in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a way that they can, I don't know, they just talk about change differently and and what it's like to be growing up and not knowing who you are and having these powers as well and then how you interact with each other on you know especially in a spooky scary asylum yeah there's just like five of you and nobody else exactly yeah it's it could genuinely be super frightening and yeah i do I feel like we should continue to emphasize this movie is very similar to Dream Warriors. So yeah. if you like that 80s uh, classic, like I do, you're going <laughs> to really like this movie. It's essentially that. Like, well, I, we can get into it too, but like the, well, we can go through the cast first too, but and go through everybody's powers as well. Yes. But like, so, okay, let's say you're somebody like, fucking i don't know what's an x-men beast who's got like super agility super strength but like the downside of his mutation is he's got huge freakish hands and feet that's a problem it's hard to adjust you're gonna get bullied for it it's easy to identify you as a mutant but like Mm -hmm. there's ways you can kind of adjust and control your ability and learn to do something productive with it now if the if you on the onset of your puberty discover that your mutant ability is freddy krueger and you don't know it, that's going to cause a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. So that's why I'm like, it straight up is Dream Warriors, but if Freddy Krueger didn't know that he was trying to kill those kids. Right? Like, it, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the fear of, oh, 
I'm the problem my friends are facing and there's nothing I can do about it because I can't control my powers yet. Exactly. And they can't help you control it because they don't know what your power is either because mm -hmm. it's not something that you can easily identify. Yeah. You, can't, you don't just have like a dream demon tattooed on your forehead. Like it, there's no way of really of being able to tell that. Which is what's cool in how you meet all of these characters too. Like I, because I'm a huge X-Men nerd, I knew who all of them were and I knew exactly yeah. what all of their powers were. But as you go on and you learn what these each person's deal is as you discover their power and like what it was like for them to discover their power, it's not all the fun and games and glitz and glam of like the MCU or the 20th Century Fox X-Men universe being like, oh, isn't it fun that I discovered my power? It's like, no, I discovered my power and then killed my girlfriend. Yeah. And that was rough. Like, I got to live with that, you know? So let's get into this cast, man. Who's let's in this movie, it. bro? We have a stacked cast of people that clearly have history playing complex, traumatized characters. Mm -hmm. um, the two we mentioned already, Maisie Williams, she's in Game of Thrones. She's Arya Stark. Um, she's one of the best characters in that show. She's one of the biggest fan favorites. And mm -hmm. her character in that show is pretty much just a tiny mid forgotten middle child who just decides she's going to become the master at killing everything. Mm -hmm. And she sets her mind to that and she fucking goes through hell to try to get there. So I heard she's going to be Rain, who's Wolvesbane in this movie i'm like all right so she's gonna bring a hell of a lot of depth to this character and then she surprised me even more so with what she what she brought to it yeah yeah she had a really well deeply developed character in this movie mm -hmm. um which i i absolutely loved and like i'm getting a little ahead of myself but like the real interesting part to characters that have really intense trauma to me is always what they are and what they aren't willing to actually say right like when we first see where she was branded yeah it's so compelling to see in her face as an actor what she's hiding that she can't she just can't bring herself to say about it right right especially like, when you do later get to see the actual thing that makes her afraid because again we're dealing with freddy krueger powers <laughs> yeah that your dream your nightmares come to fight you in your yeah. real life well and the way that they establish it is you've just been like we're we're following danny moonstar as, as like our primary and like principal protagonist yeah um as she uh, as she is is more or less kind of against her will admitted to this like semi it's not a mental it, it was filmed in a real mental institution the same one they used in they shutter, used island, shutter island yeah. which was awesome and just like in shutter island and i think it might even be the same one they used for parts of uh scary stories to tell in the dark oh, it's fucking yes. haunted as fuck because all, the whole cast was like yeah shit would just happen and then they didn't elaborate on it i'm like dude what happened um but I'm sorry. Uh, so Danny and pretty much everybody else doesn't speak to her or openly hates her, mm -hmm. except for Rain, who implicitly gets her to trust her by, you know, literally talking her off of a ledge. And then the second that it comes time for Rain to like disclose something, she shuts down, which is an extra level of 
character to be like oh fuck this must be really serious because yeah. she was this willing to empathize with danny so far but this is where the walls come up mm-hmm. and it's so stark of like this is someone who might know what it's like to go through life as a mutant in a in a culture that does not accept you because rain is from a very um conservative scottish background uh like catholic and danny's native american so they have different explanations for what mutant abilities would be unfortunately reigns is just that they would label her as a witch so it's a lot more compact in what her trauma is and what she sees herself as yeah so that character relationship yeah like you said and just like the wordless how she's not going to respond to that it it speaks volumes God, I love Maisie Williams. She kills it. She, you know who yeah, else she's fucking great. kills it in everything she ever does is Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> she can't not play Queens, I swear to God. Well, And what's crazy is she filmed this in 2017 and it was released after Queens Gambit, which yeah, everyone right. loved her in. I loved her in because she's just she's fantastic. Amazing. Well, and whenever we cover last night in Soho, it's going to be another just oh, like oh, it's another time we're just going to rave about her. She's, she's so, just good. so good. Have you seen The Northman, by the way? I haven't yet. It's on my list. Oh, dude! First of all, get to it. Fucking rules. But she is incredible. Good. She's incredible in it. Um, yeah. So she plays Alania Rasputin, who is magic with a K. That's her superhero yep. name. She's got um, the Mortal Kombat K in there. She does. Uh, so <laughs> she's got a lot going on for herself. Yeah. Uh, so she's kind of horrible. Yeah. To like everybody. <laughs> but like, it's so sad because anything you learn about her, you're like, oh, that makes total sense. Like, so magic's powers are essentially kind of like scarlet witch from the mcu where she's a mutant that has like weird sorcery type powers but like actually can tap into real magic they don't really get into that in the movie it's very complicated the point is that she can teleport through this like weird hellscape dimension um and could project like this magical sword out of her arm which looks great especially considering that that was one of the last things they added to this whole movie was her sword oh yeah the whole bit towards the end where her and lockheed are fighting the demon bear was most of the stuff they added after and it looks sweet as fuck also i just want to put put it out there i really like how they handled lockheed in that he looked in that if you weren't familiar with the character you would think she's literally just talking to a sock puppet she created yeah. for herself and then at the end you get the payoff of it being real yeah and i love that that was my big nerd moment because i'm like oh wait magic's into lockheed because shadow cat's into lockheed in the comp like kitty pride from the the core x-men movie, like the bat mm-hmm. ones back in like oh four oh five like shadow cat on a weird aside sojourn into like the the weird multiverse hellscape she finds this dragon and it just kind of hangs out with her and i mean elani does the same thing it's it's how she kind of gets in touch with either her abilities or how she kind of it's like her way of manifesting her abilities as like a new identity yeah um, 
because it's the way because she talks about like it's she went into that dimension because it was the one place that the smiling men could not get to her and it's obviously where she met Lockheed mm-hmm. um that's all very sad and it's like so sad. <laughs> I'm almost glad that they cut down on that because like you don't really need to know much more than like she's afraid of scary Russian gangsters as a little girl you can draw your own conclusions it's probably what that means and why she wanted to leave um mm-hmm. but it also speaks volumes about how she plays power dominance over people mm-hmm. like she knows exactly how to intimidate people because that's yeah. how she was intimidated um so I don't know. again when you have a great actor with this character and then they just build all of these little nuances into them and how they play them it's so much better to watch them do it and to mm-hmm. sit in that character because you know, especially once you like have seen the movie and you know what everyone's deal is, you can pick it up a lot earlier on every little thing that they do. It's just so consistent. Yeah. Um, another person who's just been extremely consistent is uh, Charlie Heaton, who plays Cannonball or Sam mm-hmm. Guthrie in this movie. Charlie Heaton is the older brother. I haven't watched Stranger Things in so long. I was say I'm. I have to do my um, recap pretty soon. Jonathan, I'm ready to watch Jonathan the new one. Jonathan is his name. Um, that's it. Jonathan Byers. Yeah, he's he's Will Byers' older brother. He's the kid that goes missing in the first season. Um, and has always been my favorite character in the entire show. I, I also want to appreciate that on IMDb, his credit is New Mutants above Stranger Things. Awesome. So this is his highest credit I'm on glad. there. And I think that's awesome. I also think he deserves a lot of credit for it because he... Cannibal's from West Virginia. Like, he was a miner. He was a coal miner. Yeah. So he's got a very thick West Virginian accent. Charlie Heaton is British. Yep. So like it's one of those other things where you're like they they talk in an interview and you're like god damn it I just, like it's another one that they just they're better at playing Americans than, than we, are. we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he so Sam Guthrie is cannibal his power is just blasting off into stuff he becomes invulnerable while he does so. Um but it's hard because he can't control it so he can't do it whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. and he so, can't land it yeah and he can't land so it's more or less just a way that they're like oh you know that's just him learning how to use his power and it, it's like when i wrote down like they have the fun little x-men scene of him chaining himself to a block and just blasting off and i'm like oh this is very first class and they're like yeah i think he just does it to hurt himself and i'm like good god <sighs> yeah i'm like oh god what's all that about um but he, I don't know, I, I think that his character was done really well because you don't need to know a whole lot about him. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you do know is very rudimentary with like he was in a mine with his father when it collapsed. He's not going to say what's going on, obviously, because mutants' power manifestations usually result in people dying. Yeah. It's not a reasonable jump to conclusion. It is a reasonable jump to conclusion to see, to figure that he probably caused the the coal mine to collapse. Yeah. So he probably yeah. feels really bad about that. And his powers join the club, Sam. All of the kids do. <laughs> All these kids are going through it. And we get to my favorite. I love roberto so much (laughs) the second time watching through i just he's so great um so roberto is sunspot his powers are vague fire abilities he can 
turn himself into like a full inferno um but he can't control it and it's kind of like the hulk where he can't get like too excited or he'll do it like there's a deleted scene where he's playing basketball with sam and it's like one-on-one and Sam's like got his arm in a sling. So he's like, all right, we'll do one arm on one arm. So he's like trying to post up and he's like getting all like steamy. And he's like, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. And like, I got to go cool off. And I'm like, oh, he can't even fucking play basketball. Like, <laughs> um, but I mean, that obviously also carries over into that. He can't have sex because the first time he tried doing that, he set his girlfriend on fire and killed her. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so interesting that everyone else hides behind their their trauma and their their abilities and and projects something else out there. He's the only one that like projects what he like almost wishes he could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he like pops his collar up. He's like, you know, like, hey, ladies, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, you're just so insecure. He's like, so he, sad. Exactly, and it's like you can see right through it. Mm-hmm. like it, he, he it never once is set up to be like oh man roberto's like a, a piece of shit i'm like no he's just he's just sad and he doesn't yeah. know what to do leave him alone and so i mean it was like oh fuck i love roberto <laughs> well and that actor henry zaga zaga however yeah. you pronounce his last name he went on to right after new mutants work with boone again on mm-hmm. the stand miniseries yeah, he also was in 13 Reasons Why, uh, Teen Wolf, Looking for Alaska, and uh, there was one other. Yeah, The Stand, like you said. Um, that brings us to Blue Hunt, who is uh, Daniel Moonstar, who is the, at the time of New Mutants, she was like newcomer. But I think in the three years between when she made it, <laughs> when it came out, she did like a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. including um stump town uh, this show called another life and the originals so i'll have to ask mcguire if he knows who her character is yeah i know he <laughs> keeps up with vampire diaries um that's right he didn't that surprise you like i came in one day and he's like i'm watching vampire diaries i'm like oh okay cool like it didn't matter but he was like five seasons into it i'm like that boy like, can binge really? watch things better than most and it's slightly oh, horrifying yeah. and i love it i was more astounded at how much he retained like yeah. he was telling me like lore and i'm like oh shit man this is pretty deep and he's like oh yeah i know all of this stuff and he, like he was spouting like oh that's in the originals and shit i'm like oh man he's gonna have to be our go-to remember like how we asked him about the sign seal delivered movies that's right i think he's just gonna have to be our go-to for like mtv slash like abc family type stuff yes um but yeah blue hunt is daniel moonstar who's the like we said the principal protagonist what's her power danny freddy krueger make everybody's nightmares come true including her own (laughs) yeah she can't even like stop herself from doing it because that's where our demon bear secondary antagonist comes into play so i hate the demon bear (laughs) I just cannot stand it. And I was glad to learn that in the featurettes that they were like, that was originally what we set out to do. Because the first time I saw the movie, I'm like, this definitely was a reshoot. This was like an added thing at the very end. Mm -hmm. This was the whole big thing they had to shoot again. Like that whole big CGI fight thing that they had with it. But no, it wasn't. It was always supposed to be a part of her character because that's, what her character's arc in the demon bear saga that they used for the movie 
came from. Yeah. Um, but I'll get into it with my New Mutants little history thing. But like the New Mutants as a team have a history of fighting things that like can just read everybody's minds and mm. just fuck with them whenever yeah. they want from like some other dimension. So in this sense, not only is the demon bear Danny's villain, but Danny is the villain for everybody, everybody else. else. And they don't know because they already don't trust the facility. They don't mm-hmm. trust Dr. Raz. Most of them don't trust Danny. And yeah. they're right to not trust her because <laughs> everything was fine until she showed up. And then they're like, wait, we're starting to see ghosts now. Um, I don't like this. And these ghosts can touch us and hurt us. Yeah. Not about that. Yeah, like it, it, it's very cool in a very horror movie haunting type way where like it's the the activity starts out very slow, mm-hmm. very kind of just, oh shit, that's kind of weird. And then it evolves to, it can touch you, it can hurt you. Yeah. Uh, and by the end, it can kill you. Like all of these things are real that she is manifesting. That's how powerful of a mutant that she is. Um, and she goes ahead and kills her entire tribe with her ability one night when she has a nightmare and then she brings it to life and it just kills her entire tribe. Yep. Which I mean, maybe she takes the cake in terms of mutant manifestations gone awry. Yeah. Because <laughs> she killed everybody that yeah, she she killed everyone true. she knew. I mean, they're almost never pretty. Like most of the X-Men, when they manifest their abilities, it doesn't end well. No. Like not a single person is like, yeah, my family was hella supportive. And not, I mean, only I think Emma Frost, just because she was attractive and a telepath. Yeah. <laughs> but this is X-Men lore, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Danny's powers specifically for the sake of this movie are all about reaching into someone's mind. Like she kind of has like some telepathic ability. She can like re- look into somebody's mind, find the thing that they're like the most ashamed of or like afraid of. And then she brings that out, even unconsciously, to just torment that person until it kills them. Yeah. It's a horrifying evil power. And especially because, like we've mentioned before, she has no control over it and she doesn't know she's doing it. Half of the time it happens while she's unconscious. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's almost as if it's a defense mechanism of her own body being like anything that isn't me has the ability to hurt me. So I have to put up these things that frighten it away so I don't get attacked. Right. And all of the time that she is at the facility and like, you know, like Alani has given her shit. So obviously, subconsciously, she's going to associate her as a threat. Mm-hmm. So she's going to just project Alania's nightmares onto her to make her think that she's going nuts and she figures it out right immediately she's like do not trust this girl (laughs) press x to doubt (laughs) truly she's like um yeah press x to draw magic blade (laughs) she's like fuck this i'm not gonna do that shit um but man it just really quick on the on the writing end uh they had a feature out on the disc where they talked about how the artist that did the new mutants comic, the demon bear saga specifically, that was a guy that had been doing a run on moon Knight, actually. And then he didn't want to do another series, but when they made him do more stuff, he's like, I want to do something different. So he made everything a lot more like Tim Burton type, very horror elements were painted in there. 
-hmm. And this writer took that and was like, I really want to do this. So the horror aspect of Danny's character, the demon bear and what the new mutants could be in like the nineties was what kind of solidified this as like a horror feature, like the new mutants isn't as much of a shock as an adaptation to a horror thing as like if you just were like oh let's make a spider-man horror movie like that doesn't make as much sense because there's not as much precedence Mm -hmm. the new mutants there is a lot of precedence for yeah especially when one of your characters straight up has freddy krueger powers and can just project people's nightmares in their waking lives um that can hurt them it can kill them and you know theoretically if she knew what she was doing uh, which the SX Corporation is trying to get these mutants to be able to do is to control their powers and either once they've reached that stage, take their powers from them or then recruit them into, you know, ellipses, like yeah. do, do something with them. I know what that something is, but it's not really important. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's what brings us to Dr. Reyes, who is uh, played by Alice Braga who's in fucking so much stuff. I only picked like the top five things on her IMDb. Yeah. But like the new Suicide Squad movie, Predators, I Am Legend, Elysium. She's even a voice in Soul, the Disney Pixar movie. <laughs> amazing. Um, also amazing at character nuance. You're not supposed to trust her like mm-hmm. at all. But it's the whole movie of why don't we trust her what does she want what is happening who is she working with you know there's there's all of these talks that she's working with somebody else that's Mm -hmm. telling her to do these things um a lot of the doubt is supposed to be on like well she's probably working for charles xavier this guy that runs this team called the x-men who are good guys Mm -hmm. no not happening i don't think so um but that was yeah i going in i'm like it's mr sister um (laughs) but it doesn't even really matter for this movie because like just because it's an x-men movie does not mean that it needs to be like you need to know the comics or you need to care about the comics at all Mm -hmm. all you need to do all you need to know is that these characters maybe think that they are here for a reason maybe they are like yeah i could stand to control my powers some more or i want to do some good but they don't buy it like they're not buying what's happening yeah and whether or not they know the lore of the comics it doesn't matter the viewer is supposed to through them be like we don't buy this but it's the only chance we have to figure out what the fuck is wrong with us and not kill somebody on accident exactly um but man i <sighs> What have you got for like what like this this time watching it like what did you really get on? You mentioned so, you like found some more details on stuff. So yeah, I found a lot of little things that I hadn't really like set on before because I think much like you, this was my second or third time watching it. So I haven't watched this movie a whole lot, and I've really just kind of let it sink in. And this was the first time I really saw more of that like relationship developing between. Um, Danny and Rain uh, in in both their platonic and the, their later more romantic set um, circumstances of their relationship 
but also yeah it was the first time i it really sunk in all of the trauma that um ilana magic had yeah because that shit kind of flew over the radar for me the first time i was like yeah she's fucked up but i didn't i didn't really think (laughs) about how messed up she was and from what yeah and yeah this was the first time i really figured out how that freddy krueger energy was kind of a defense mechanism until it wasn't for danny because like when magic is threatening her in another dimension with a sword her body immediately Mm -hmm. goes to messing with her head to protect herself but then as soon as her fear is there her body doesn't know what to do so it just shuts down completely yeah it's like well our body is attacking ourself so do we just let it do it like do we just sit here and let it do and let it go or because that's where it all becomes you know like the thesis of a lot of early x-men movies is mutants that don't understand how to control their powers trying to figure out how that works and to bring it back again the best way that they can that they have ever done that is in x-men first class when when charles is like i need you to move that huge satellite dish eric and he's like i can't i can't do it from this distance and he's like no i saw you rip a submarine from underwater i know you can do this but it's not just channeling rage or channeling fear you have to find a balance you have to find yourself more powerful than your internal processing like it's a big it's literally mutants powers are mind over matter yeah. Is if you can convince yourself that you have control over this thing instead of it controlling you, it's just like teenagers with their emotions. Like you're at the mercy of all of these hormones and things, and you think that this is completely unfair, and it is. But what you just need is someone to be to guide you and be like, "This is you. Like you have control over all of these things, and all of this. It, it's it seems worse because in your brain." it knows exactly how to scare you. Like mm-hmm. Sunspot doesn't want, he probably doesn't want to learn how to control his powers because he knows that if he loses control, he'll kill somebody. Yeah. But, and so that fear is always going to be there for him until he learns that it's not something that he has to be afraid of. It's just a part of him, just like fear is. So when your power is preying on people's fears, and you're the biggest person that's afraid of that power at all of course it's going to shut you down and know exactly how to completely annihilate you Mm -hmm. and everybody else once they learn to control their powers to fight this thing it's just so much more powerful and cathartic to learn that your abilities as dangerous as they are and it's kind of the dumb hokey message at the end of the movie it's you can choose to do whatever you want to do with your abilities. You can choose to use them for evil because you felt slighted and you you're going to give into that trauma mm-hmm. or you can just say, no, that's not what I'm going to do. And then it's not a part of you. Like that yeah. bear doesn't exist for Danny anymore because she just is not a part of her. It's just, she's not going to give into that fear. And I'm like, Oh man, I want her to be more movies. <laughs> where she could just reach into people's brains like before they even attack her and they're like nah I took care of it (laughs) I will say in this movie I really like a lot of it the ending with the bear I'm not a big fan of neither am I because I would have liked to see the conflict end in a different way but 
all things considered, I'm willing to look past it because this movie also has something that not a lot of movies have that I really appreciate, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> foreshadowing. I'm so glad that you that you made a note. The only note you made on the outline was just the Buffy foreshadowing. And I'm like, Shani, explain it. Which is doubling down. So, okay. So I have to get into this a little bit. So in the movie, when they're having one of their like little breakfast club moments. Yeah, the movie is full of breakfast club moments, by the way. Oh, and they're yeah. so great. I love them so much. But during the first one, there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the TV, which I, of course, immediately noticed and am a little ashamed that I could recognize exactly what episode it was. Um, Are any of us honestly surprised? No, not even a little bit. Because no. it's also from my favorite season of the show. Oh, it's perfect. actually one of my favorite episodes of the show, which Excellent. is even better. Because <laughs> um, it shows up twice. The first time it shows um, two of the characters, Willow and Tara, who... Um, are a couple who meet mm -hmm. each other at an institution after one of which has been ostracized as a witch, yeah. which is just very fitting for Danny and Rain's um, future romantic subplot, which I'm all for because it's built off of a Buffy reference, which is very <laughs> fitting because they were, because in the show, Tara and Willow work as like grounding forces for each other in order to help each other through these seemingly overwhelming things that they can't get through by themselves which right. is also why Willow at the end of season six goes on a murder rampage and almost destroys the world. But that's a story for another time. So that's why we need rain to not be gone because then Danny is just going to become Freddy Krueger for the entire world. Exactly. And then the episode comes back later, which I think was a very smart move because it shows part of the climax of the episode Hush, which I'll give a little bit of details because I think it's important to understand where this episode's coming from. Um, in this episode, um, there's these new monsters that come into town. They're called the Gentlemen. They are terrifying and I love them. They float. They're in these big um, three-piece suits. They're very elegant people and they're there to steal people's hearts. And how they can survive is if so they hear someone scream they'll die because they can't handle the sound so they take away the town's entire ability to speak so they are absolutely powerless because the only thing that can harm them is sound and if they don't have their voices they can't do anything to stop these people and so it's this ultimate like trying to fight something without any power to do so until you find the only way you can get through it, which much like the end of the movie, they can continue to try to fight this demon bear with their powers, but ultimately it won't do anything until they find the one thing that can stop it. It's right. this lovely foreshadowing out of a season four, mid early two thousands episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> which I appreciate with all my heart because that show is great. Well, and not only does it have the foreshadowing for the ending but also the scene that you're talking about with the climax it has a svelte blonde woman fighting three-piece suited monsters which is what magic does exactly with all the smiling men <laughs> it works on so many levels oh yeah absolutely buffy is great and i will <laughs> die on that hill i think a lot of people agree with you <laughs> i know which is why i don't have to die on the hill yeah, right you can thankfully just live <laughs> on that hill and have your fun little your little fun little ecosystem <laughs> um this has been your that... weekly version of uh danny rants about something for five minutes oh i'm gonna get to the x-men don't fucking worry <laughs> about it <laughs>
Um, but on that note, I think it's good that just like a lot of good horror movies, it's deliberately set in an ambiguous time period. There's not a lot of attention to technology. There's not a lot of, you know, like I just, when horror movies cannot have a pinpoint time period on them, more often than not for me, it makes them a little bit better and it helps with the atmosphere. I, say, I can not, only yeah. think of one thing that kind of sets a rough time period approximation in that um, we find out that, oh, what's his name? Um, Cannibal uh, Sam. Sam. We find out that he went to work in the mines when his some of his family went off to, I think it was Vietnam. So yes. this movie is in the early, roughly yeah. in the early 70s, if you're looking at it that specifically. Right. But other than that, it's very ambiguous time period wise. Yeah, like the institution itself, you know, probably was constructed in like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, the the like lockdown technology they have uh, is between like 70s, 80s and like futuristic type locking mechanisms. Some of the more advanced like monitoring systems they have are a lot more like futuristic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a whole lot of like, I don't know. I just kind of hate when movies date themselves a lot, like especially with like modern references that like are going to work for like a year and then and never then again. Yeah. Especially if it's the crown jewel of your fucking infinity arc Disney. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> but Buffy was good because you, that could be live or those could be like old recordings. Like those could be VHS copies that you have just stuck up in the attic somewhere. Yep. So it works to have this. It doesn't matter what's happening in the outside world. What matters is what's happening inside this institution with these characters right now. Um, but yeah, those breakfast club moments also put it into perspective. Like those kids aren't doing things that like modern teenagers necessarily might do, but they're also relatable enough and realistic enough that you could see people doing them. Yes. Like they're all more or less like, yeah, they're all like, 16 17 but they all carry themselves a lot more maturely um because yeah most 16 17 year olds that are actually around them they're not just children like they do have those like shades of who they really are in there mm-hmm. um especially if they've gone through as much trauma as these kids have they pretty much know who they are like they know yeah. exactly what's going on with them um like when they're all taking the polygraph exam they're all very authentic with each other in ways that teenagers would be authentic with each other yes roberto lies about how many women he's been with and then like sheepishly is like i get too hot i'm like roberto you're too pure for this world (laughs) literally get him out of here um but yeah uh i do really really like the relationship between rain and danny especially on that second watch through, because again, it's real. Just like yeah. all of the character relationships are with all of them, with Dr. Reyes, with all the kids, with all the kids with each other, all of them are real. All of them are very tangible and they are consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's not a point where they're just like, oh, let's just help Danny kill this, this, this bear thing. No, by that point, they've already established each other as like, we need to look out for each other. 
-hmm. And they have that in small microcosms while her powers are going haywire. So like all of them come together and then they all come together at the same time, right when they all need to, which is like the perfect type of like Avengers team up moment that they all had, which is the one of the main, one of the reasons I'm like, you know, maybe the ending does kind of work because Mm -hmm. if you look at where all of them have been character wise, it does. It does fit. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I just wish it wasn't a demon bear. If they had had their extra two movies to continue the story of these characters, I think it would have really helped. But alas, we will never see those movies. No, we're never gonna see. We're never gonna see Psyche, Wolfsbane, Cannonball, Magic, Lockheed, Sunspot, or Mister Sinister and the Marauders. Nor will we see Warlock or Cecilia Reyes again. Nor the Shadow King. Maybe one day. But Maybe. certainly not anytime soon. No, not anytime soon. Not in the way that they're going to do this. Um, just briefly before we end, just so I can counter your rant. Please go Very, on to your so, uh, Matt's X-Men corner time. So more or less, we've talked about the the characters. And so we've used their like quote unquote superhero names. They don't ever use them in the in the movie. They're just like, if you know them, like, oh, isn't it fun that like, because uh, yeah when they're gonna go fight the, the bear and Elon and Alana's going to fight it and Sam's like that bear is magic and she's like so am I and I'm like yeah because her name's magic but it's that type of stuff where like you don't need to know that that's who they are like mm-hmm. rain can turn into a werewolf I knew that because her superhero name was Wolvesbane <laughs> um Danny's goes through a couple of different iterations of what her character does um but like in terms of bringing it to the context of what's happening this shadow organization the sx corporation that is in the movie that doesn't necessarily need a lot of further explanation all you really need to know and and danny even does it is that they're using mutants to like weaponize them they're gonna Mm -hmm. train them as like soldiers or of some sort um if anyone has seen Logan, what um God, what's her name? Uh X23. Uh God, the, the the child, the child Wolverine that is cloned off of Wolverine's uh DNA. Um, she was being she basically was artificially inseminated into just like a like a like a poor woman. And so that she could have this mutant that they knew would have the same abilities that Wolverine did, plus like other things. So the Laura. Essex Laura, thank you. That's her name. I keep thinking of the actress's name. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. no, that's not her name. So the Essex Corporation is or was in the in the doomed Foxverse, uh, is the brainchild of a character called Mr. Sinister, who in the X-Men comics is one of the principal antagonists of the X-Men. He's a centuries-old uh, evil geneticist slash mutant who basically cracked the code of how to like tamper with genes to not only create powers but also like clone people and create specific mutant life that he wanted to. Um, he's behind a lot of crazy waggedy stuff. Um, if you're familiar with Deadpool two, he made Cable. He made him in the future. Um, he also was responsible for a team of super villains called the Marauders, who are essentially like anti X Men. They're all mutants that have an ability that's basically like some kind of adversarial thing 
So like in the X-Men, you have like people like Archangel, whose ability is flight. So that's not necessarily like aggressive. All of the people in the Marauders have like, they shoot harpoons or they make earthquakes or they do stuff that can hurt people because Mr. Sinister wants to create the perfect race of mutants. And one of the most horrible things that he ever did is he sent this like massive team of Marauders to this settlement, uh, the subterranean settlement in the sewers of New York City um, that was home to a group of mutants called the Morlocks who were mutants that had ability like their mutations also like fucked them up like they had deformities and all this stuff because not everyone gets to be emma frost not everyone gets to be january jones and just be the most powerful telepath fucking ever some of them are marrow whose powers are her skeleton can be removed and used as weapons but it sticks out of her whole body and it's disgusting and horrifying yeah it's a cool power but like you don't want to have it so the Marauders were sent basically to just genocide all of these Morlocks because they were like inferior mutants. And uh, the X-Men intervened and got their fucking asses kicked. Uh, Archangel got his wings ripped out of him. He went to go work for Apocalypse, which is why in the movie Apocalypse, he's got metal wings because, you know, he needs his wings back. Mm-hmm. Um, my point with all of this is that for years, I was really hoping that Mr. Sinister would be in an X-Men movie. And especially when they said that John Hamm was going to be him. I'm like, oh, God, that would have been so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're ever curious watching this movie or Logan and you're like, what the fuck is up with this shadow organization? That's who that was supposed to be. It's been eating me up for years because like ever since Apocalypse came out, I'm like, OK, cool. Mr. Sinister is going to happen. And then like Disney bought them. I'm like, oh, so he's not. <laughs> Guess oh, not. man. So, yeah. Um this movie apropos of all of the x-men stuff all of the superhero stuff is it a good horror movie i will say yes i would agree because i i think it's a compelling story that yeah even if you're not a fan of x-men if you're not a fan of your average comic book movie there's still so much out of this movie to enjoy from a horror standpoint and even just from a story standpoint right it has compelling characters it has them interacting with each other in ways that feel true to these characters as they are built throughout the movie and it has compelling uh climactic moments of real conflict right which are the three big things i feel like a movie needs to succeed it needs characters interactions that are real and compelling and conflict those are the three things that a a movie needs to succeed i agree and it's and i think that this is actually a kind of a nice segue that we can do a bonus episode on multiverse of madness because i know we talked about doing that but like my god does that movie have everything that we just talked about in an mcu movie yeah that is also very much a horror movie as well thank you Sam but yeah, I would be very interested just to talk on just those three points for like a half hour episode just on mm-hmm. what that movie did to fill all of those things. Yeah. Because you can have an you can have an interesting narrative in any movie as long as you have exactly like you said, if you have character relationships that work, you have a climax that actually feels like it has stakes and you believe in what's happening. Yeah. Even if it's in a what fucking 23rd 37th installment of a franchise multiverse movie like it's just oh 
Oh, no, I'm Doctor talking Sh- for like Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's like 27 or yeah, something. Like, even in that movie that had to do all of these things, like just with, with you know, New Mutants did before a couple of rewrites, it, there's all these pressures from a student on what it needs to do to keep going with whatever story. But there's always room for directors if the studio lets them to put these things in to make people care about what's happening. And mm-hmm. especially if it's going to have horror aspects in it, you want that horror to come from a place of real fear or like of, of understanding. So, you know, you're afraid of the smiling men because they're horrifying, but you also know why Alana is afraid of them. Mm-hmm. You also know why, you know, Danny's afraid of that bear, not only because it killed everybody that she ever cared about, but because it represents that she's afraid of her own ability and can't control it. And it's a fear from her childhood that has continued to permeate her life for the past probably decade. Right. Don't tell your kids bedtime stories because they might have Freddy Krueger abilities and that's the thing they're the most afraid of. And, and it'll end bad killed. for you. Yeah, you're getting killed by a giant demon spirit bear. You just made <laughs> up to send your kid to sleep. And now it's real and killing everyone you've ever met. <laughs> so that'll be our <laughs> that'll be our end note. Yeah, so um, I feel like we should also mention, I, this is something I've wanted to do for a little while, and this is the first time I've actually remembered to do it. Um, if you are interested in this movie, New Mutants is currently streaming on HBO Max. Yes, it is. So it is available to you if you have that streaming service. It's only like an hour and a half long. It's totally worth the time. Oh, yeah. And it's not like, I know there's a lot of people out there that are not huge fans of superhero movies. Trust me, I get it. Um, like I love superhero movies, and I'm getting sick of them. But this doesn't bog you down with like knowing about the world or knowing about the powers. Like they don't really spend a lot of time on that any more than they have to. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, that's Sam. He's got a power that he can blast off. There's not anything more deep than that. He just, that's the thing he's got to deal with. Let's keep moving. Mm -hmm. Like their powers are not like this whole big issue for them to need to like explain how and why they have like they're born with it it happened they're stuck with it move on yeah move on we've got we've got a very fun cute lesbian relationship to establish okay let's fucking keep it moving (laughs) you know or like so like just in that sense like you don't go into this with like rolling your eyes like okay i'll watch a superhero movie horror movie it's not about that it's about mm-hmm. these characters that happen to have these powers and those powers make what makes them afraid a lot more unique and interesting mm-hmm. um i don't know that's kind of i think that's why i've always kind of liked the x-men because like they're relatable despite the fact they've got all these crazy powers but like they're just people that yeah they still have this, just you know? human issues right right that's why I mean fucking that's why heroes is so good I think that's why I like that so much as a kid because like it's exactly the same concept it's just people that are like oh shit I can't die now what do I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta look out for the people that are like I want it you know yep so yeah HBO Max if you can um. I know it's probably in bargain bins in different movie places because it Absolutely. bombs so terribly. Um, and just like Morbius, don't listen to what people say when they say that a superhero movie is bad because sometimes it's not. I will die on that hill, Danny. <laughs> it's a conversation for <laughs> says, another time. Says your disapproving smile. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it's coming back to theaters? I don't understand why. <laughs> I it's literally because it's been memed to death it's been memed that people like it and i think that people ironically are liking it now and i'm like 
okay, cool, but like it's actually not that bad. Like, I don't know. That's me personally. I went in, I enjoyed it. But you know, yeah, it's a meme, especially in the Moon Knight Core page, bro. Oh, oh howdy, is it a <laughs> meme on the Moon Knight Core page? Okay, but follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're gonna keep doing episodes this way, uh, for the foreseeable future, yes. Um, because you don't go to school anymore, and yeah. Our, I'm all graduated, yeah. You're a big man, big job, a, a working boy now, working boy. Um, this is also <laughs> if this the, the way this works out, this will be the way that we can theoretically do some interviews because we have yes. some lined up as soon as we can Which make is it work. Very exciting. I, God, guys, once you hear what we're gonna do, who we might have, you're gonna. I mean, I'm. Fuck, we're like, gonna. I'm, we're gonna flip. I mean, I. I'm doing somersaults in my stomach right now. <laughs> um but it'll be great man we, we're gonna be coming back uh back on our normal schedule well, yeah if we do this dr strange episode that'll be a bonus episode but we also are gonna be finishing out our growing pain series yes by the end of the summer um then we have uh something big for episode 100 that um yeah. we have a lot of prep to do <laughs> we've got some real real fun things ahead to look Absolutely. forward to this will be great all righty y'all um don't like I said, don't tell your kids bad bedtime stories. If they say they can set things on fire, believe them before you get burned. And uh, you know what? Don't be a minor. <laughs> I think I covered all of it. <laughs> I think that's I think that's everybody. Yeah. I think that's everyone. <laughs> and until next time, stay spooky out there. Yeah.